The technology likely to have the greatest impact on the next few decades has arrived. You can start building completely new concepts for payments that we've never thought of. Move the need for a financial intermediary to transact value. Bitcoin and the blockchain have an amazing future. This is going to transform society. Hey guys, how's it going? I hope everyone's having a fantastic day. So welcome. Welcome to the first episode of our podcast series, Industry Insights. The guest that I managed to get on the show today is Raul. So Raul is from Venezuela and he's been into crypto for quite a few years now, so he has a lot of experience under his belt. But the main reason why I wanted to bring Raul into the podcast and share him with you guys is because he is Venezuelan. So Venezuela is interesting for a multi for multiple reasons in crypto, but specifically it is the first country that has a state-run cryptocurrency called the Petro. And also Venezuela is the cheapest country in the world to mine a single Bitcoin. That is, if you were to mine a single Bitcoin in every country in the, in the world, the cost of mining it, so the electricity cost and the hardware cost, would be cheapest in Venezuela. So if any of this appeals to you or you find any of these topics interesting, then listen to the next 20 minutes of this podcast and hopefully we can, um, we can entertain you for the next 20 minutes. But without further ado, let's get straight into things. Hi, Raul. Welcome. We've already been speaking before we started recording. Right. So just for our listeners, why don't you give them a background of who you are, how you got into crypto and how you've been involving yourself within the industry ever since? I used to be a professional golfer. I'm also an economist out of the University of Arkansas. And uh, in about 2013 or 14, I quit golf. I started working in an insurance business here in uh, Venezuela. And at around that time, I had a friend who asked me to join him in a venture uh, mining crypto, mining Bitcoin here in uh, Caracas. I didn't really pay attention to him. And, uh, it, and it wasn't until late 2016 that uh, I joined the uh, community and I started talking to him. Uh, we are now partners and uh, we uh, basically opened open up a fund and uh, I've been uh, in charge of checking some ICOs ever since, especially by the end of last year, of 2017. And uh, I'm starting to, I've been managing a small uh, crypto fund of uh, my family. And uh, right now I am, you know, I'm doing all that. We are in, obviously we're in a bear market. I've been um, learning also a lot of uh, TA, trading analysis. And uh, <laughs> I'm just hooked with the uh, idea of Bitcoin and the technology and how it works and, and how much it can give a, uh, to the world and especially to the people that really needs it the most. Uh, by that, I mean that we have probably, I don't know, I'm going to say 7.5 billion people in the world and probably I would say five or 5.5 billion people are unbanked. Fees of the banks, of the traditional banking system is are very high. And one of the uh, things that I've like about Bitcoin is that uh, you can uh, transfer money without any source of intermediation and uh, it's really, really cheap. Yeah. Uh, with that said, I've been uh, joining also a, a venture with my family, uh, specifically with uh, one of my brothers. And uh, we want to take uh, Bitcoin to the next level 
using a, uh, uh, a bank as a platform. That may sound like a bit of a contradiction, but it's actually not. We just want to be a crypto bank sometime when uh, regulators open up a little bit more, and uh, which I think will happen in the next few years. But we're getting ready to that and uh, to offer uh, people that service will be amazing and uh, that will help uh, grow up the community and, and the exposure of Bitcoin around the world. I think it's going to go way through the roof. Uh, I think we have seen nothing. Uh, I, think, I think we are in the early stages. But last year, in that bull run that we had uh, in the last few months of 2017, uh, confirms that something is going on. Uh, and uh, it's. I think it's going to skyrocket sometime next year. Um, I, so one thing. Yeah, I, I also I also participated in uh, an ICO uh, fund. I actually I am actually an investor in that fund, and and I participated in uh, uh, which coins uh, to invest. Uh, we had a by that moment we had a, we have a team uh, based right now in Mexico. And uh, I worked with them uh, thoroughly, and, and uh, I think we did good because uh, uh, even though, again, this uh, bear market, uh, uh, the coins are, the, you know, the, the altcoins and the ICOs that we picked are still holding. They are, they are down really bad, but, but they are still holding to where we entered at, a, at, a, at the same price. So uh, do I think they're going to go lower? Yes. Uh, I do think so in the next few months, but uh, but uh, they're going to pick up uh, as soon as Bitcoin picks up. They're going to pick up as well, and uh, and uh, I think they have some use uh, good use cases and to the real world, and and I'm I'm convinced that uh, that this is the future. And uh, this may sound contradictory again, but I'm a Bitcoin maximalist right now. But I do think there are some coins out there that uh, uh, do have a chance to grow and to, uh, and to help our world and to uh, do some really good things for the people and, uh, and, uh, and for, for the good of, of, of all of us. Well, the other day, I think I checked CoinMarketCap and there were over 1,800 different cryptocurrencies now. It's crazy. Yeah. By what you've just described, you've participated with the, yeah. basically the whole of the industry. But you mentioned that you've been working with a few other projects. What were you, like um, on the advisory board or what was your role? Yeah, I was on the advisory board. I, uh, I try to get people involved in the crypto world, but right now it's not that easy because of this bear market. The thing is that uh, last year, by November and December, I, I had so many calls during the day asking me about Bitcoin, asking me about the technology, and right now I'm going to all those people and they are scared and and i actually i understand that because i entered the market uh, about a year and a half ago and i entered at a price where i could just hold yeah. and know that everything's going to be fine yeah but i understand uh, the other people the people that did not get into it and i i actually feel sorry for for the guys that actually put some money in when when the market was way up there in December last year. But I, I, I do think that in the next few months, I would say by, the, by mid-2019, they are going to get their money back. So I am just trying to let them know that uh, 
we're going to get there again and, and, and try to get them to hold to their Bitcoin because uh, you don't, you don't want to lose money. So, Raul, you're from Venezuela. Just imagine I've not been made aware of the current crisis occurring in Venezuela. How do you describe it to me in five minutes? Uh, well, that's, that's, uh, that's a tough question to answer in five minutes. First, we have an economic debacle out here. Basically, I'm going to be as simple as possible. Basically, they've been uh, printing money at an unbelievable rate. And obviously, inflation is going through the roof. They also didn't know how to manage the oil uh, prices that we had from 2008 till 2012 or 13, I would say. With that said, they, 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 just, they just collapsed the economy. They, they just really collapsed the economy. And the, uh, the, uh, the Bolivar is worth nothing. They, in, back in 2008, I think, they took off three zeros out of the currency. So by that time, if you have 1,000 bolivars, you wake up the next day and you have only one bolivar. And the inflation rate has been so bad that uh, last week they took off five zeros. So in a span of 10 years, they have su subtracted eight zeros out of the currency which means that if you had 100 million bolivars back in 2008, you have right now one. That's, that's just, uh, even for us that live here, it's actually tough to digest, you know. It's, it's just tough to see how prices can go up uh, on, a, on an hourly basis right now. And uh, the worst thing is, is that it's going to get really, really bad. I mean, we haven't... Here in Venezuela, we haven't seen uh, the worst part of it. I think that uh, they took some uh, some other measures last week, and it's going to get really, really wild. Uh, we have some shortages of goods and services. Uh, uh, electricity is scarce out here. Food's scarce out here. So it's 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 a debacle, man. I mean, it's just it's just bad. I, I feel sorry for my country. I feel sorry for. The, the vast majority of the people that lives here that doesn't have the resources to, you know, sail along this. And uh, even today I was coming to my office and I was seeing kids, you know, barefooted in the middle of the street, just, uh, just you know, kids from, from 8 to 12 years old. And they, they probably slept in the streets, man, and, and they haven't had anything to eat in the last few days. And, and it's just bad. It's just really, really bad, man. Yeah. Horrendous. It's. I think it's now undoubtedly the worst humanitarian crisis present in the world right now. Yeah, yeah. We. Uh, that's that's a that's a good point. I mean, I just wanna I just wanna elaborate on that a little bit. We uh, here in Venezuela, we have said that uh, you know our neighbors were at some point we're gonna feel the crisis and that we needed help. We've been saying this for for about five or ten years now. And right now, people are fleeing the country. We are, uh, we are, we've been treated like refugees. And man, I mean, the, the footages and the images and the pictures are really, really bad. And they're really sad. You know, people just fl flying out of the country uh, by any means, in walking or, or in a bus or in a car or whatever. And it's bad, man. I, I was reading. I was reading this morning. Chile is very far from here. Chile is probably seven hours flight from Venezuela, and 
they have, uh, there have been 150,000 Venezuelans getting into Chile uh, in this year alone. So, I mean, it, it's getting really out of hand for the neighbors, and, and I hope they, they help us, you know. Yeah. Just to get a, like, an idea of that, what's the actual population of Venezuela? Well, we were 31 million people, but right now we have 4 million flying out of the country. Christ. Uh, so right now in Venezuela, there have been 26 to 27 million people. Wow. That's, it's just insane. Yeah. So taking all of that into account, yeah. how influential do you believe cryptocurrencies technology, like the ability to have decentralized applications like currency and the storage of data can be of use to a country like Venezuela? Yeah, well, uh, I read the other day that uh, Dash is actually growing really hard, really good here in Venezuela. Uh, to be honest, I haven't seen anything that tells me that uh, on the ground, but uh, I read it from straight from Dash people. Uh, I know that Bitcoin, you know, we have a little market of Bitcoin over here. People is trying to uh, protect their money against the, uh, the wild inflation that we have here, and uh, they're you know they're they're trying to to get ways, easy ways to to you know to protect uh, their money. You may not know, but we have a, a, an exchange control rate, so that makes really tough to find dollars, and and it's not legal to buy dollars out in the black market. Uh, but if it is not illegal to, to buy Bitcoin and people get around the security forces and the, and the police and they, you know, can get a hold of Bitcoin or, or some other cryptocurrencies. And uh, that's what they're trying to do. The problem is that uh, right now Bitcoin sits around $7,000 and uh, you, you don't have many people that have seven thousand dollars here in venezuela i mean it's it's getting that bad so people they're just buying you know uh uh 0.1 bitcoin 0.01 bitcoin they're they're trying to to uh uh protect their money uh however they can but it's not easy because uh like i said you know crisis is really bad and you don't have many people with ten or seven seven or ten thousand dollars in their pocket yeah so, also, just this week, the Petro, the, the state-run Venezuelan cryptocurrency, was released. Yes. And I've already read that Maduro, President Maduro, has created Android applications so that citizens of Venezuela can exchange their Venezuelan bolivars to the Petro. And I remember, in the past, we've had fantastic conversations about the Petro and about your opinion of the Petro. So, again, I ask you, what's your opinion of the Petro? And for those who don't know, what is the Petro? <laughs> well, the Petro was a, is a cryptocurrency that the uh, ran by the state of Venezuela. With that said, that's a big contradiction. As you may know, you can't have a cryptocurrency or a coin that is run by the state because uh, crypto, especially Bitcoin, and that's why Bitcoin is so good, uh, it's decentralized. Put this example, you get uh, Japan to uh, uh, launch uh, their own coin, I, I would say GenCoin or whatever, uh, let's put it a name, that's, that's not going to be a cryptocurrency because Japan's central bank 
is going to be controlling it. And the, the, the whole thing of a crypto is that you have, it has to be decentralized. Uh, so the petro is tied to a barrel of oil. But in reality, uh, it's tied to nothing because uh, those barrels of oil are uh, below ground. It's, it, you cannot go and exchange your petro to a barrel of oil because it, it has not been extracted yet from the ground. And, uh, and you know, those two factors makes it a little difficult for everyone to actually trust the petro. Uh, since it's tied to, or since they say it's tied to uh, the a barrel of oil, they're saying that the, that the value of the petro is 65 or 66 dollars or whatever, which is the current value of a barrel of oil. And, uh, but, you know, as, as hard as I can, I'm, I've been trying to find an exchange rate for the Petro in the open market, and I just cannot find one. They, it's not, they are not making transactions for the Petro, and blockchain of the Petro, it's not uh, showing any, any transactions of it. Uh, the, the, the worst part of it is that uh, about a few months ago, three or four months ago, the United States sanctioned the Petro. So every people that actually makes transaction with the Petro may get into trouble with the United States government. And uh, that makes it even worse. So uh, it's, just, it's just a complete mess. Uh, uh, it would have been a lot better if they go and tie the our currency, the Bolivar, to Bitcoin, and just you have, and, and, and that way you have, you know, something that is, that is uh, 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 exchanging freely. It has some volume. It has some people uh, that uh, knows exactly what they're doing. It would have been a lot better. But man, I mean, the government over here. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to get too much into it, uh, especially because I could get in trouble. And I, and I say this uh, uh, seriously. Well, um, what do you think are the government's plans or what's their mission for the Pedro? Why, why create it in the first place? Well, they created it in the first place because uh, some of the Venezuelan uh, uh, governors, I mean, some of the people that run the government and uh, our main industry, which is PDVSA, which stands for Petroleos de Venezuela, sanctioned from the uh, you know has some sanctions from the United States and so for them to to move uh, to make you know uh, movements of dollars and to make transactions in US dollars which is you know the world currency I would say and it's you know how we express you know the oil and and some other commodities it's it, it got a lot tougher for them they cannot move their money freely they cannot pay for, for supplies and they cannot uh, get paid for, for, for oil. And so they decided to create uh, this uh, Petro thing and they're trying to get everyone to use the Petro as, as the currency. Here in the, in the insurance business, they, uh, they're trying to make uh, the companies to express their balance sheet in Petros which is actually, I mean, that, that's, that's ridiculous. Uh, 
I mean, we can do it. Yeah, we'll, we'll do it if you want to, but uh, that doesn't make any sense. A Petro is not worth yeah. $60 or $65. It's probably worth uh, less than one cent of a dollar. So yeah. anyways, uh, they, that's, that's, that's why they created it. Do you think that if the Petro were not centralized like it is now, do you believe that if there was a state-run digital decentralized currency, do you think something like that could work in Venezuela, taking into account the mass devaluation of your state currency, the Bolivar? No, no. It's just that I don't think it's possible to have a decentralized currency uh, run by the government. Yeah. That's a contradiction. Yeah. So what, what you need to do is for any country, any given country, let's say France, uh, which I know they, they have some plans of uh, engaging a little bit more in crypto. Uh, let's say France, uh, they tie you know, their uh, economy, uh, obviously they have the euro and all that, but uh, if, if they go ahead and tie their economy to the Bitcoin, that would be great. I mean, that would be the perfect match because they cannot control Bitcoin. They, they, Bitcoin is 100% decentralized and that's how it's all going to work. I would say that if Venezuela do it, uh, it will get better. If, I don't know, and some other countries, Argentina, for example, that, you know, they had some pretty good inflation as well. If they do it, that it could work. And, and some, you know, some of these countries in Africa uh, would work as well. But you cannot have a decentralized currency ran by the government. That's, that's a contradiction. Yeah. Um, okay, so we've got past the 20 minute mark now. So I think we're all good. Right. Raul, honestly, thank you so much for coming on. You've been absolutely amazing. Thanks. And thanks for the invitation, man. Sure thing. Do you want to um, advertise or promote your Twitter? Yeah, my Twitter account is rsansarkaya, which is R-S-A-N-Z-A-R-C-A-Y-A. -A -A. Uh, you can find me over there. And, uh, and I'm always, I'm always uh, active on Twitter. I follow a lot of uh, influential people, traders, uh, 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 developers of the community over there. And uh, I, I don't write as much about Bitcoin, but, uh, but I will gladly, you know, answer any questions and, and you know, engage in conversations with your, with your viewers and listeners. Absolutely. Well, Raul, thank you so much for that. And um, thank you very much for coming on. My pleasure. Bye.